Oh man, Mikey, this has been a whirlwind here. Um, I didn't expect it was just gonna be you and me tonight, but uh, obviously the gods of technology have not smiled upon our group. <clears throat> but we'll 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 carry on. You think we can do this? Welcome back, BC WrestlePod fans, to the Just Three Gents podcast, where we go over AEW Dynamite with just our three gents, i.e., Mikey and myself. And we don't know. We may have a guest come in at some point who's trying to force their way into the room at this point. We don't know. We are so excited for you to be here with us as we go over AEW Dynamite from the last week. Uh, but before we do that, Mikey, I'll do a little housekeeping for us. We want you to let you know that we will be having you uh, listen into all of our stuff going on here. We have so many places you can follow us online at BC WrestlePod and pretty much every one of the social media stuff. We have a Twitch channel. We have our YouTube channel. Subscribe to both of those. Get those alert bells going so you know that every one of our weekly uploads, and not just weekly, every day during the week because we review all of this stuff, will be there for you as well. We hope that you want to do that with us and leave us a comment in the video to tell us how sexy our voices are sounding because both Mikey and I have the head cold going around. So obviously it's radio voices all the way. With that out of the way, we're going to jump in, Mikey, to a pretty packed dynamite. But as we described on before the call, it was a dynamite, but it wasn't the best and it wasn't the worst. It kind of got in its own way and then figured its way out of its own way in a weird, strange thing. So I'd love your two cents on how you felt after all went on. I think that the fact that we have asked AEW to go back to building stories for their feuds leading into pay-per-views, they seem to be able to be doing that more. But for some reason, it's kind of come at the sacrifice of the it factor razzle-dazzle like the, sh- like the confetti cannon, if you will. Because it seems to be doing his job in building stories and being consistent, but nothing is extremely bad, but nothing is extremely exciting either. It's just oh, there. True. And the other part is that you think about, oh, with all these injuries, they obviously had to do something to fill the time, and why weren't they doing this in the first place with the people they had before they got injured? Seriously. So they're learning from their mistakes, sort of, and I'm enjoying that because I'm invested, but at the same point, you're still not using enough of your roster to make it worthwhile. We say that going into our first match. Two people that are part of teams and other th- otherwise engaged, taking up time that could be given to more people, or you could have made this a multi-man match. But we had John Moxley of the BCC taking on Dax Harwood, uh, you know, FTR bald, going in uh, hot and hard. Uh, and this for me, Mikey, this was the uh, Dax is just not going to die match. Um, he's not going to go down. He's not going to get choked out. And then he does. But in general, this was hard hitting back and forth. You uh, Anything you can do, I can do better or differently. And then finally, just cheating, which, again, seems to be how things roll in this world. (sighs) (laughs) Like, okay. So my biggest issue with this whole match is is that, yeah, Dex turned into I'm not going to die. I'm like, three different finishers got kicked out of during this match. Well, and also finishers from other people because we had the worst stomp I've ever seen in this match. That was, ugh, don't, I don't even want to talk about it. It's just so bad. Look, I thought there was a lot of passion. I enjoy Mox. I enjoyed Dax. I'm still trying to figure out how we got to this point because literally we just had FTR and Daniel Garcia face House of Black. And then after one confrontation and fight that happened last week, 
all of a sudden now these teams are feuding. I'm like, why? <laughs> because. Because. I guess. I don't know. And then we have, obviously, so we get through all that. It was a heck of a match to watch. Very enjoyable overall. Then we had, uh, you know, Cash Wheeler, who maybe in his last appearance ever on AEW Dynamite, depending on how his court case goes, uh, coming out to save Dax. And then you had Claudio coming out to save them. A brawl ensuing, and no one really getting the better of each other until a lot of choking going on and Claudio overpowered Cash. So are we saying that FTR isn't a cohesive team or a strong enough team to fight off the BCC? Or is the BCC just that crazy that they're going to take people down? Uh, I don't even know anymore. I feel that this is a few to get us to Revolution, and then, you know, we'll call it a day with that. We said this on the Collision Review, me, Adolfo, and Luis, but, like, I don't know. Claudio has seemed to be missing a couple of steps the last couple of weeks. Mm. I don't know if he's wrestling hurt, if he's going through something and he's kind of checked out in his head a little bit. Regardless of the situation, we want Claudio to be at 100%, but... I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Mox and Claudio, but and I get that Danielson's busy in Japan. Where has Wheeler been this whole entire time? He's not on our wage, so I have no idea where he is. And I haven't read anything that he's hurt, so what's the deal? Don't know at all. We move on from that opening match, though, of that much uh, interest and uh, energy to a Don Callis backstage promo. Renee, looking lovely, taking on what she can, figuring out what's going on, and the most random assortment of words came out of Don Callis's mouth to get to the long point that there's no one good enough left that isn't injured to take on Takesha, which would have been Omega at this point. So we have to look within the Don Callis family and we're going to pick up Osprey as Takesha's revolution, uh, you know, opponent. Yes. Let's have infighting within your group with the debuting Osprey against your obvious ace in the hole while on paper, good match. Is this going to kill the Don Callis family? Can it please kill the Don Callis family? Something, please. So I'm torn with this because this is a match I didn't know I wanted until it was announced for Revolution. Mm -hmm. But I have a couple of issues with this. A couple? Well, yes, a couple of issues. I Well, the first positive thing is I hope it does kill the Don Callis family because we don't they have no idea what they're doing with this faction anymore. I thought Hobbs and Sammy were feuding. That doesn't seem that's a thing at this point Sammy, anymore. You know, basically injured Jeff Hardy, you know, over the weekend. So which we're about to see on Rampage on Friday probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. On paper, this match should be amazing because it's Takeshita and it's Osprey. We have made me and a couple other people here have made it no secret that Will is that dude. And that's why, for most of us, he was our male wrestler of 2023. Right. My biggest issue with this whole entire thing is I don't like the prospect of feeding Takeshita to Osprey for what? You had Takeshita beat Kenny Omega twice. Cleanly twice. And then and, and Osprey's had... beaten him a couple times, too, so they both have that on their record. They're kind of in the middle there, but... You know, you're you're basically killing your golden goose, who you've been setting up as this all-knowing powerhouse, unless there's a dusty finish, which that doesn't do anything for anybody, Osprey de- debuting or Takeshita. I like Will. I really, really do. I like Takeshita, but this is the same issue I have all the time with AEW, is you build up your younger talent and the newer people in your company, 
then you feed them to the big zinies, which on right. paper, nor like sometimes it works. Like I don't think Taya lost anything when she lost to Diana because that was a fantastic match. But I feel like Takeshita has a lot more to lose to losing to Osprey in this man manner. So here's my question for you then: Do we think a debuting Okada? comes in to save Takeshita or take out Osprey. Therefore, it's not a clean finish for either one of them. And we set up our match for all in. See, I would like that. I, However, I have the sneaking suspicion. I don't think Okada is debuting until big business. I get, I think we're getting a double debut with Okada and Monet. And Monet, I think. Monet for sure is... that. If she doesn't show up at big business, I'm just going to sit here. I'm like, why am I wasting my time? <laughs> well, it's it's a, it's a thing I've built around her. So obviously it's meant for her. But still, um, that's kind of where we sat there. So um, basically we go from that backstage promo pretty quick, pretty uh, cut and dry to the quickest match of the evening. And oh, look, it's over already. Uh, we had sitting <laughs> Wardlow versus Barrett Brown. Uh, who wore his brown pants uh, for, to basically get power bombed out of his socks? Adam Cole on commentary doesn't get his a word in. Uh, either he had a banged up headset or he just wasn't able to talk. And this was a textbook squatch. Next, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we the Jacksons arrive. Uh, the EVPs arrive from the air- airport, still wearing the bloody suits with new facial hair they have co- now taken the mustaches off they are even worse looking like you know like dude bro from the 90s looks it's great i'm enjoying that part of it it's so that's funny. not sanitary <laughs> not at all i you know what though i hope they continue to wrestle in these i think it'll be very fun i think it's a like added caveat to their characters i actually really enjoy and they're slowly warming i'm slowly warming up to the way that they're presenting themselves at heels, because I feel that they were trying way too hard when we first got this iteration, but they're yeah, doing yeah. okay with it now. And I feel that they've kind of found their rhythm a little bit. Well, and they have defined characters finally, as we'll see in the match later on. And it is yeah. called out multiple times, which is needed for the most part. However, uh, we move on from them quickly because we'll see them over that. They're kind of the overarching storyline of the night. We get to, you're going to hate me on this, Mikey. This was my match of the night. I loved the death match at the end, but this was my match of the night. Daniel uh, Garcia and Adam. Why Cole would you think? I, why would you think I hate it? Because I agree with you. This is also mine as well. Perfect. I'm glad. I don't I have know what's going to be Texas death match. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that when we get there. But Adam Copeland and Daniel Garcia wrestle for the chance to see who is going to take on Christian Cage, uh, being that they're again in the rankings both up there to do that and this is the adam cole revenge tour adam copeland sorry revenge tour to showcase how gritty he is he's not going to just take his spot uh clean reversals great mat wrestling gritty back and forth copeland working daniel garcia like the veteran he is and garcia hanging with him on every blow everything through it and a dusty finish that actually kind of worked uh mikey i think this was a complete match exactly and they have me intrigued to see how we're going to resolve this before Revolution, if we even get this TNT Championship match at Revolution. The psychology that they use to both go into submission parts of their wrestling, work the arms over, work the leg over, uh, Garcia being able to revive himself from the power moves that Copeland could give to him, whereas Copeland had to be a little bit more shifty against a guy who was faster and smaller than he was, and uh, just a couple of nasty spots off the top ropes. This was... A kind of a clinic on how you can tell something with two disparate styles. I am pulling so hard for Garcia to finally get pushed to 
you know, a championship picture, the top of the AEW men's roster. I think he has paid his dues, which I know is a dirty term in this business, but I feel that he has done enough to warrant some good faith. And he's so over with the fans. Like, he he's paid them twice. He's only been in the business seven years. He's very young, and yet he is definitely like re evolved himself from just this technical wizard to the sports entertainer gimmick. And now, like even the whole thing of like now he's dancing in his his uh, submissions before he goes and flops back to break knees. It's just great. He's gotten a lot of good people around him that have shown him the light, and now getting to work with a veteran like Adam Copeland definitely just ups his game. It's it's ridiculous. It does. Which, leads into the end of the match which was a schmoz where nicholas Wainus and luchasaurus kill switch uh enter to break up the match itself causing a dq uh even though by the rules of dq that means that daniel garcia won except no wait they attacked adam copeland so adam copeland then won it's still a dusty finish i think they're gonna leave it so neither of them won um they knock copeland out of the ring after taking him out and doing a couple big things to him they take out garcia uh, Daddy uh, Magic Matt Menard tried to get in and got slammed back by Luchasaurus. And we have a, con- a almost concerto broken up by Edge. I loved the hit and the, the drop by Kristen when he drops the, drops the, uh, the chair and hurts his fingers. And then Mother Wayne doing her job and low-blowing Mr. Uh, Copeland and leaving him there for a full-on concerto as the Patriarch makes out with his Valentine his TNT Championship. So... Here's what I think is going to happen. So I'm mm. going to put my predictions. You know, I'm writing it down right here. Speak. With Copeland getting a concerto, he's going to be out for a couple weeks. So I think we do get Christian versus Garcia at Revolution for the title. Really? And I am happy to eat crow later, but I think Garcia beats Christian because I want to see this blow off match between Christian and Copeland. But I feel that there's more at stake if the title is not on the line for this one. It can be. It can get a lot lot closer. And maybe the fact also that's when the Patriarch starts losing their group members. Yep. But I don't know if they're going to do that this early in the year. It's still working. And they need to do that Luchasaurus turn on him to get that there. So I think Garcia might be fed to him. I think you're right. Garcia might be fed to him at Revolution. But that's not what I want to see. We shall see what happens. Because we got two weeks. Anything can happen at this point. Mikey, we're getting action. We're getting, you know, new things set up for Revolution. We have another blistering promo that really worked the story really well for this as we have our champion Samoa Joe come out, cut a quick promo before Swerve and Hangman both enter to have their rebuttals. And I wrote down here, they went and used the Texas playbook and they got bigger and dumber in this match as Samoa Joe (laughs) was talking about getting more people in there. Um Joe sells this match perfectly, sells that he's going to take people out, how desperately, disturbingly good he is, and also very dangerous. Setting up Swerve coming in to just work the crowd all over the place. And then we get full whiny heel hangman page, which we have not seen in forever. And my God, thank you for that man leading into that stuff because it is campy as hell. Not to Dalton Castle levels, but definitely in a place where it's worth watching to see him work the other two guys in the ring. I thought this was a very efficient and excellent promo segment from all three men. Joe has been doing this for years, so it doesn't take much for him to do anything or him to speak for me to be won over by a promo. 
for me personally, I'm biased because I really like Swerve, but I feel that Swerve had probably the biggest support from the crowd this whole entire segment. We were talking a little bit about this before we started the review, but my favorite part of this whole thing outside of whiny hangman heel character, which I thought was brilliant as well. I really love that as Swerve was talking to Joe and there was a little bit of a break between the next couple sentences. I love that AEW has the ring and the audience around the ring mic'd up because as Swerve was speaking, it's like, you know what they say? And then just from the audience, he's like, what'd they say? And then Swerve almost broke character when he heard that. I thought that was Nana, but it wasn't Nana. That was definitely a, a crowd. I had to rewind because I thought it was Nana. I was like, no, that's not Nana talking to somebody in the audience. And you could see Swerve kind of go down and try not to laugh and then stare at the person's direction before getting back into it. I'm like, Swerve is enjoying his life. I love this so much. We all enjoy Swerve's life as well, that he's going to be able to do that. And Hangman is going further and further into like Wild West villain with that Burt Reynolds mustache that is just screaming either... I'm a latent homosexual, allegedly, or in general, I enjoy both sides of the, of the aisle. And you know what? We That's just, great. Yep. We are just one pair of sunglasses away from Hangman to be full, like, Wild Wild West villain. <laughs> like he, he needs to be doing the YMCA as he comes down. It's very fun. I was just like, Will Smith, I hear music. Is that you? <laughs> but here, Mikey, we have this wonderful promo setup. We have making me want to watch the match at Revolution. How good it's going to be. And then we get the promo of the evening because Miss Tony Storm debuts her new film. Oh, Wet my Day. goodness. Oh, how to pay off even more of a, of a background, but keeping it in character at the same time, acknowledging that reality is blending into this fantasy we've been getting. Uh, you know, her talking about how, D- you know, she brought Deanna up, taught her everything she knows, brought her to Japan. And if that is true, because she also doesn't believe herself when she says it, that obviously this needs to be wiped from her memory. You need to paper over old history, which includes getting a new tattoo where you kill your history, where she put, goes a knife through the duck. And I thought to myself, I assume that's a real tattoo. But if it's if, if it is you are fully committing to this bit to get ink done just for an angle. Like this is ridiculous. I have no words for this Tony timeless Tony storm segment. This was perfect. And to think that something as outlandish as a Hollywood starlet, as a wrestling character, just is a testament to the well that Tony Storm digs into to channel this character. And I honestly need to know, I want to sit down with Tony Storm one day and pick her brain of how this character came to be. What were some of her references she researched to get ready for this character? And also on top of that too, her delivery and her facial expressions facial expressions and just the mannerisms every single time she's talked since embodying this character has improved i'm like girl are we taking acting classes on the side because better be. this is amazing also shout out to old school tony looking storm with the hat and everything with oh. the, when they showed the picture of her and diana i was just like i remember those days oh those nxt days those heady nxt days oh but mikey 
this wasn't the only part of this promo because we got that lovely, lovely video. And then we got the shortest, most concise and perfect response from Deanna Perrazzo backstage with Renee, where she's like, I'm just going to break your face. I love the, And honestly, for anyone who hasn't had an arm bar or Queens Gambit by Deanna before, if you are not careful, she will break your arm. So I love that Deanna just simply put, she's like, I'm going to break your arm. And that, <laughs> Tony, like, that Tony talks too much. Yeah, I was. I'm. I'm super hyped for this match. Oh yeah. I know what the outcome's already going to be, but at this point, I'm. I don't care. The only way I could see it working, where if you're going to pay off another part of the storyline, is you have Mariah May cost her the title. That's the other. That's the other shoe I'm waiting to drop too, because we keep teasing. Because Mariah gets is getting more frustrated every single week, being ignored oh, yeah. by Tony, and Tony's not, you know, watching her matches or anything. So, oh, this is, wait. It, I, it's going to be an amazing match at Revolution. That's going to be so good. I cannot wait. But we transition from that lovely storyline and building, and you know what? I consider that two women segments back to back because of the fact that we had to have. You know, Deanna uh, go back uh, against what Tony said. We transition to the EVPs. They make their entrance in the back, you know, fist bumping people, saying hi to everyone else. They come out to their new music, which is generic, you know, evil wrestler number four uh, to take on top flight. And, you know, they're healing it up in a lot of ways. It was nice to see that they kind of define that, like, Nicholas is the hothead that just goes off the rails. And then, you know, Matthew tries to put things together. I love him trying to fist bump, um, you know, Dante before they started going at stuff, even though they're getting very angry at each other. Uh, the reversals in this were insanely crazy. The Bucks are in great shape and obviously working against top flight, you're going to get athletic moves all over the map. Um, the sequence with the uh, with Darius ducking one to get hit by the other and then again doing the same thing to the other brother, really well put together. And uh, honestly, you know, up until the EVP trigger, uh, you know, it's it, it was pretty darn good for the most part. I'm just really happy to see that Top Flight has consistently been getting matches, even if they do end up on the losing side of things, because they're making up for a lot of lost time with these two as a tag team since Dante has been out with that horrific injury. Or before that, Darius was out, too. So their entire time in AEW, they haven't met a tag team. And so it's nice to see that so far, knock on wood, that they have both been able to have so many tag team and trios matches as they had. And I'm going to be honest, I would not mind seeing Top Flight be the first to step up to the champs after Revolution. I mean, they've taken the Bucks twice to the limit now, and they really have brought them the ropes. They could be the ones to dethrone them as well and have a nice little run taking on big teams. It might it'd be fun to see. Also, the stereo sunset flips where they were trying to like stop each other from going down, that was a great little spot in there as well. I love that a lot. Um, and then, uh, you know, one other thing that you can tell how fast this was moving. There's a couple times where Nicholas didn't almost he almost didn't make it back in to break the pin up. So they were going balls to the wall. They had a great match in between. And, you know, commentary and the Bucks putting over top flight is like, you know, they were great. Those guys were amazing. They really worked us there. And then they bully Tony Schiavone. So here's the thing. Sometimes I look at Tony Schiavone sideways for some of the comments he makes on commentary. However, when I saw, obviously, I'm pretty sure they all had to talk beforehand and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. Can we push a 75-year-old man down, like, basically? Well, 
I'm pretty sure that Tony agreed to it. But even still, even if he did, watching the scene unfold in front of me, it made me weirdly uncomfortable. I felt weird... icky. I felt so icky watching Same. This. And I was just like, listen, we watch for a lot of professional wrestling. And so normally these kind of stuff shouldn't bother us. But it was like watching my own grandparent or like a, an elder in whatever field, whether, you know, that I know in real life or anything, like someone I respect because even though I look at Tony sideways sometimes for his comments, he has been doing this business for a while and I respect the heck out of him. And to watch someone like this get pushed around and bullied by the EVPs, I felt so icky watching this. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, and, and not even like it wasn't even when they picked him up to do the EVP trigger on him as they're about to do with it. It was the first push. Because it looked real. It, like, it, Tony stumbled, fell into the rope. Like, it wasn't, like, a bump. It was a, you just shoved a man over. And that felt, it, it took me out of the magic of it and made it feel a little too real and not in a good way. Um, tough to watch on that one. Also tough to watch with Darby Allen's promo afterwards as he comes out to kind of save the day. Um, selling the match with Sting, uh, making sure that we understand what's going to be going on with it talk uh, really shooting on them hard about the fact of like Darby wasn't going to be allowed into the company until a certain other EVP saw the light who's no longer there and it's not Kenny Omega um Cody chance (laughs) oh the Cody chance you haven't heard those in a while but I mean Darby made a lot of good points about the fact that it was really just their friends and now that now they're in this place where it's just there for the money and and the uh the schedule not for actually like wanting to change the world I mean, that's it, there's a bit of truth to this for a lot of that stuff. And we've seen that over the last year with AEW where they've gone more WWE and less of that, like being that upstart program to really take them on. I It gave a little fire to the match that's going to be coming up. But honestly, you know, it didn't need more than it was already going to get. We know that this is going to be a thing. Um, spinning wheel still revolution is what I got. I called this once we figured out that potentially when the EVPs returned, when we had homecoming at Daly's place, and I called it from the very beginning that it was going to be the EVPs versus Sting and Darbs for the tag titles, which has officially been announced now for Revolution. I've seen Darby get a lot of flack online because of his little promo especially when he mentioned the low level wrestler and like punching down on him verbally. Yeah, but don't go after Brandon Cutler. Come on. I mean, <laughs> eh, he's beholden. He, he's an indentured server to those guys. We know that, which we know that. And I don't know. I'm excited for the match. Again, I know the outcome of what's going to happen, but if this is the team that Sting wanted to face for his final match in his retirement, then I'm enjoying this story as we're going along. And I'm, I don't know. We're not there behind the scenes, but I can, if I were in the buck shoes, like, and Sting had asked me to be my, his final opponent. I was just like, even though they're playing the heels, I bet you deep down inside, they're trying their very best not to cry and to feel honored because there's a certain thing to be a wrestler is, you know, the one that, lays out at the wrestler on their back so to speak on the way out the door right i mean it's it's going to be it's a great honor for them both and you can tell that's why they're putting as much effort into this as they can they also realize thing is helping them grow their characters even more than they had been because they were a little stale beforehand again shoving down a 70 year old man though didn't i mean just put him like put him on his knees and then set up for the ev trigger that would have been better than the actual shove right didn't need anything else for that type of thing make me feel icky 
Mikey. Yeah, that. Mikey, I, I like. It, I just don't want to watch that anymore. Like that made me feel bad. We're good. We're good. You sure we're good? We are good because I enjoyed what we got next, even though it was chaotic as all heck with these backstage. Segments. We had a second women's segment and an actual match. And I think I may have missed something on some of the other pro- promotions at this point, because the last I knew Willow Nightingale was not a fan of Stokely Hathaway and um, she, her taking on Sky Blue this evening with the help of, of Stokely was a little odd for me to watch. I mean, it was odd for you to watch, but let me fill you in. <laughs> I, I love it. Give me the background. So the cool thing about this story is because I watch all the AEW product because I, I hate myself, apparently. Um, this is a story that has been developing over the last two months, actually, on Rampage and Collision, respectively. I know this also he, involves he one of Statlander, right? Yes, it was Stokely, Chris, Statlander, and Willow Nightingale that's involved in this whole story. Now it's taking different directions. Stokely is so out of pocket half the time when he speaks to Willow. It's funny to watch. But this whole entire story began, as we saw a little bit on Dynamite about two months ago, Stokely wants to you know, manage Chris, but Chris and Willow are like a package deal. So yep. Stokely has been trying for the last two months on Rampage and Collision and try to find ways to tear this friendship apart. He tried to do the rumors that didn't work. He canceled Willow's flight. But when I say canceled, like everybody else on the flight was able to leave. It's just her ticket got canceled somehow. I remember she, that one as well. From and Rampage she found her way to the arena and they started fighting. Right. And then they ended up like Stokely took a bullet for Willow at one point too, which was really weird. To, this has been a crazy story. And then it kind of culminated in last week's rampage when willow and chris and stokely were on the same page against the outcasts with ruby and soraya which also led to ruby finally splitting off from the group and letting soraya eat that pin last friday the shot was beautiful this has been a really fun story so i know rampage is like the place where you get one hour of wrestling and sometimes stories go to die on rampage but rampage has been where all the fun stories have been for me and adolfo their ratings have also reflected that in the last couple of weeks too. It's been really interesting. Watch. Oh, so good. But we got this announcement that this match was happening on last week on collision. And then it got reiterated too, leading into this match. But because Willow still has some unfinished business with Julia and sky. And so does Chris. So to see these four women mix it up once again, I'm not going to complain. And this oh, yeah. match was baller i loved willow hulking up a lot of the time like turning that switch to the other gear where she gets really mean and really big uh sky sells for her very well but they know each other so well they can actually work around each other very very fun ways um throwing sky basically from pillar to pile very easily and willow can just get trucking on a lot of stuff it's wonderful and i love her to death i'm so glad they're using her not in a like standard big person way they're actually giving her room to be her own wrestler um uh, her next gear was wonderful the uh the stokely distraction on the the pin was great um i also wrote down the one thing i enjoyed from taz at this point giving stokely crap going i've trademarked orange you can't wear that that's not that squash like just out of pocket that way very very fun but i this was willow sold this well she's taking advantage of what stokely's giving her this is going to blow up in her face and we know it and it's a great kind of little storyline setup like I said previously, as long as it gets 
all four women that we mentioned a couple of seconds ago back on my TV screen more often than we see them. I'm all here. And look, I'm super excited because it's nice to finally see a Rampage story kind of play out on Dynamite. And I was like, I feel so vindicated as defending Rampage once in a while. The AEW continuity is beginning to work like yes. it should to make everything fun and make me want to watch the other product, other products on it because I don't sometimes. I might I'm stay so up tomorrow bad. and actually watch it. So excited. It's This match was a lot of fun. Almost my match of the night, but not quite there. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the most concocted match we had set up here to further a storyline that's going on kind of but in the same way i've never seen goofy and deathmatch wrestling put together in such a good fashion and it only worked because the two men involved in it know how to work both sides of that fence orange cassidy taking on matt taven in a texas deathmatch that came out of nowhere for this like the deathmatch stipulation but Cassidy bled everywhere. They tore each other apart. And gosh darn you, Chucky e. T, and your Valentine full of thumbtacks. <laughs> Holy cow. What, that still shot of Matt Taven just looking at his hands, and then you see the thumbtacks and his elbow and his well, arm. And I was just he like, he ah. has gloves on. Like, why wasn't he wearing his gloves? This was insane. And okay. So as much as I enjoyed this, there were a lot of fun spots, which we'll get into, but I have one big problem with this match, and that happened right at the top. Right. You call this a Texas death match. You did not fall, and I can't believe I'm saying this. You're going to say Professional wrestling plays hard and fast with the rules. This was not a real Texas death match because you didn't apply the rules of what a Texas death match is supposed to be. You're supposed to go for a cover, and then you have to wait to see if your opponent gets up after you cover them for the 10 count because you need to go for a pin, which then validates you. Be like, all right, check mark one is done. Now, in order for you to win, you need to pin them. Plus, they need to stay down after you pin them for 10 seconds. It's basically a pin, then, then it's last man standing. That's what it ends up being. And look, I know wrestling plays hard and fast in the rules, but I'm going to be a stickler with this one because there have been some other Texas death matches we got in other promotions the last year. They did it correctly. Looking at you, Deanna and Mickey James, you two killed it in your Texas death match at Hard to Kill two years ago. Meanwhile, you have Swerve and Hangman that didn't have that rule. It was the pin that won it. It wasn't a pin, then a 10 count. So this is maybe is the AEW version of it. That might be very fair, but I also feel that Hangman versus Swerve took it to a whole nother level oh, where yeah. I didn't mind the rules not being followed because this was a spot fest, whereas Hangman versus Swerve was, oh, they're trying to kill each other. Someone's about to end up in the hospital or in the grave. But that's what I expected with this because there, since there was so little build and little heat to it, and then we get the stipulation that you would get on a pay-per-view to blow off a major feud, yeah, you're going to build it around the big spots then, not around actual story between the folks other than they're in two rival factions. And we get, you know, Trent Beretta coming out. Is he going to save the day? Is he not? With a giant lead pipe and a, and a bouquet of roses. This was basically the wwe match where they do where it's the theme of the holiday or whatever or like pizza hut match or something else this is what they're trying to do and it that's why i think it felt fell flat i will say in terms of that but like i said there was a lot of fun spots like obviously we talked about the thumbtacks where i thought matt taven died when he jumped over the top rope and looked like he landed head first into the table and he hit that announce he hit the announcer table hard too when he collided into those two things i'm like 
I heard that. That's not supposed to happen. That was whiplash. That was an actual car crash that happened there. By God, he was broken in half. Like, I was worried. I was just like, oh, please don't hurt Matt Taven. I love that Trent Beretta gives no Fs anymore, and he comes out with that steel pipe and beats on people. Mm. I will say, maybe it was just me, but I feel like Roddy missed his cue when he came down. He did. And I was like, dang it, Roddy. We were so close. It could have been so much more. It was a good main event, but it just, like, like I said, because this was such an up and down show, this fell a little too flat for me. And like, I, I didn't think the night was over. I thought there was going to be something else, which there no, wasn't. This is how we ended the show. <laughs> just ended right out. So, Mikey, we've ended the show. We've gotten to the end. We talked about how we felt about it. But, Mikey, what is your empanada rating for this week's Dynamite? I give this like a solid 7 out of 10 empanadas. We, I talked, we talked a little bit about this before we started, you know, the review. There was nothing inherently bad for me. I thought a lot of the stuff I really enjoyed, but there wasn't enough to make me go, oh my gosh, I want to replay this match over no. and over again. And what, uh, like, for instance, as much as I love this Texas Teth match, I feel like this did more for Matt Taven than it did for Orange Cassidy, especially if you go check out his Taven's promo he cut on the internet afterwards. Right. Also, I have a bone to pick with you, internet wrestling community, for another video. Can we stop hating on Matt Taven? I think he has proven himself enough since being, you know, ROH and AEW the last year or so. I'm like, give this man some credit. Yeah. But I thought this was 7 out of 10. I enjoyed a lot of the stuff. The squash match we could have taken out. I'm worried for Takeshita and Osprey because Takeshita is about to lose. Yeah. And if we get more short films like Wet Ink from Tony Storm in the near future... Like, take the time. It seemed that somebody wrote this out. Like, they actually added cinematography and got some licensed music that wasn't cheap. Like, in terms of, like, sounding like I can make this on GarageBand. <laughs> like, right, right, right. There was a lot of good stuff. But again, nothing was bad, but nothing was, oh, my gosh, this is great. Hmm. I I'll agree with you on this. It was about a seven and a half out of ten empanadas. A filler uh, show, to be sure. I will disagree with you on the Squatch match. If we took that out, this would have been too short of a show. It didn't work, which I never say for this. I, I watch shorter shows or better paced ones. We needed it to fill a space. I, I guess yeah. so. Well, but I also I love, so. I, I think you're right. We need a response video to Wet Ink. We need Deanna to do a Godfather style parody where she actually like talks about that, like goes full mafia, like she's going to break her down. I would love this to be like a couple different back and forth that way. Deanna falls into this, this trap of joining the cinematic universe and then has to work her way out of it. Um, maybe the TV show up in the middle of it. Who knows? The, the, the Valkyrie and, and, and Johnny TV. But it was what it was. It gave me good endorphin rush and I enjoyed it. But Mikey, honestly, I enjoy talking about it more with you here than I actually did watching. I don't know how you feel about that. I always enjoy myself when I watch wrestling, but there's something about being able to talk to it with other people, especially people that know that I know like love professional wrestling as much as I do. But also, I think it means more when you talk about it with somebody that you have built a bond with over this kind of stuff. So as tired as I am, it's always refreshing to do this with you because it reminds me we kill ourselves for this sometimes, yeah. but it's worth it because it brings me so much joy. And what brings us joy also to, to share it with you out there in BC WrestlePod land, because we hope that you like our takes. We want to know what you feel about it. So we'd love to see those comments, but in general, it's like sitting down on the couch with a friend and a couple other friends out there and just kind of talking about what went on and giving our interpretation of it, which can be different. 
just like we always like to, because we like to share it with you. But Mikey, this has been fun. I missed the professor tonight. I know he tried his best to be here, but unfortunately couldn't be. But you were here with us, and we really appreciate it here at the Biconics. So hopefully you'll check out the rest of the different stuff we have on the channel. Uh, make sure that we, we have stuff coming up for ROH and TNA tomorrow night and a couple other things that are going to be out there for you. So please check them out. And as always, remember, you're Biconic. We all together are Biconic for our love of this sport, this art, and the love of sharing it with each other. And we'll see you in the next video. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Vibe Tribe production. What's going to happen next time? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. But until then, remember, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, make sure that you keep the good times rolling. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time.